I'm Chad Rutherford. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket, Spiral into Horror. And today, we're going to be talking about World of Horror, a game that was, <laughs> god damn you, was developed- <laughs> It's not my fault. <laughs> it is, somehow it is your fault. <laughs> it, was de- it was developed by Powell Kosminski. And was published by Yzbrid Games and was released in 2020 on Windows. Uh, but first, you can give us a like or a rating. It would be greatly appreciated. Uh, and also, leave us a comment about how <laughs> to pronounce these words. Um, World of Horror is a deliberate throwback game, but done in the style of a roguelike. Uh, and it is interesting yeah it's especially interesting because it is in fact a throwback game Mm -hmm. but for some reason that feels really modern now (laughs) yeah to do like a weird indie spin on like an old genre or an old aesthetic or something like that so common in fact that you thought that realms of the haunting was a an indie throwback (laughs) yep uh, go listen to that episode. That's called Engagement, <laughs> Kyle. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, th- this game is an indie throwback, and I think the one that we probably both thought of uh, due to the art style and the fact that you can change color palettes around a little bit is probably Return of the Oprah Din, potentially Downwell, uh, Downwell which is also a roguelike. Uh, those two games are what came to mind, at least with the presentation of this. Uh, though they aren't a whole lot like it. No. That's <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> uh, this was an interesting one for me because I read on the Steam page, essentially, that this was supposed to be a throwback to what I believe they refer to as 80s adventure games. Uh, but I've never played a game that plays anything quite like this. This is more of a new experience uh, to me than I was expecting. Same. Um, yeah, it does feel like... I I feel like I've heard people talk about old computer games like that, and I've probably seen like footage of them, um, like a video essay or something like that. But uh-huh. I've never really played any of those old like PC RPGs either. Um but you definitely feel the influence. Like, you do have just, like, straight-up, like, tabletop uh, role-playing stats and stuff like that. Yeah, the and the visual design especially, I think, it's intended to mimic the look of games of that era. But also, it, like, even puts the artifice of a fake monitor on screen uh, as sort of a border, as a lot of games do when they use an atypical uh, aspect ratio, Mm -hmm. which this does. But yeah, uh, the other thing about the art style that I would at least mention uh, is, as I mentioned at the uh, end of the previous Pocket episode when we were introducing this game, uh, takes a lot of inspiration from Junji Ito, and uh, the game's little narrative arcs also borrow a ton from him as well, so it ends up being like a pretty obvious inspiration. There's even a character that's in one of the events that is just like a manga artist who wants your advice on some ideas and they've just drawn a Junji Ito there. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I think it's not just safe to say, but like conclusive to say that, that his work was probably an enormous influence on a lot of, of what this game does. Yeah. It's really obvious that in, in Lovecraft, obviously as well, right. Uh, they're right there on the sleeves, uh, the <laughs> right one and the left one. Um, but yeah, I, I think they've done a really good job of capturing the feel mm-hmm. uh, like of his aesthetic. And I think it being like a, a, like what one bit, uh, yeah like pixel art game really adds something or really gels with it. Um, yeah, it, it feels like, and the music adds to it too. I think, mm-hmm. um, it, it almost made me think of like Pokemon red and blue, um, back when games were like lower fidelity and like your imagination had to do more heavy lifting. All you needed was a creepy song and a <laughs> town with like a kind of creepy backstory. And it spawned, decades worth of like creepy pastas and urban legends about lavender town even um, further engagement please go check out our episode <laughs> on uh, pokemon black the creepy pasta um but yeah I, 
uh, yeah, people's imaginations will do the rest. And I think it, this really made me think of that. There's something about the game that feels mysterious mm-hmm. or like kind of like uncanny uh, in a way that you can't really describe, or at least I can't. And I think the visuals and the music are what's actually causing that feeling. Yeah, I think there's a lot actually going on here, in my opinion, that I is like... <laughs> It it works a lot with the themes of the game and both uh, how it's presented and also how the game itself works uh, that I think is really impressive. It, it feels like everything is really coalesced around a singular idea. And uh, you mentioned Lovecraft. Lovecraft was obviously a big inspiration on Junji Ito. Um, so that sort of goes hand in hand. Um, but what they're both known for is writing things in the cosmic horror genre. Uh, which this game does. And we'll dive a little bit further into it when we talk about what actually goes on in the game. Um, But one of the core sort of principles of cosmic horror is the idea of of things that are unknowable and things that aid in making something unknowable is making it difficult to discern. Mm. And so this old style aesthetic really helps with that kind of a thing while the art takes a lot from the body horror of junji ito these themes of uh there's a lot of technology themes the game itself is set when the game would have come out in its like assumed time based on the Mm -hmm. the aesthetic of it so like in the late 80s um and a lot of that stuff sort of goes hand in hand and so you end up with this this world where the technology is a little bit evil and also, the old gods are there, uh, plucked straight from from Lovecraft and and things like that. Uh, so I found myself really impressed, especially like when you also consider that it is a uh, roguelike game. So it is a game where you literally don't know what's happening next because it's all determined randomly. Uh, I felt like this was just a really genius setup for this kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, most it. It's probably really impressive if you like dissect it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, like it does really all work together. Like. There's like there's multiple endings to most of the mysteries, um, and some of them you just kind of don't solve them. There was one <laughs> where I like was investigating like some old like mansion on like a cliffside forest or something like that. Yeah, and I ended up finding my way down into like a cave, like a little ocean cove, and it was like, oh, it was just the waves making noise. You're done, on to the next thing, you know? And, like, that kind of, like, it's weird in the moment, but I think it kind of adds to that, like, you never know uh, what what you're going to experience next in this game kind of feeling. Yeah, and it plays into the roguelike part of the design as well because it makes you want to go through and take different actions to get different endings for things. Uh, like, there, there's one that still is bothering me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a mystery that involves a gardener uh, that you're looking for, and when you find him in the woods, uh, he's in, like, a house, and you have to get out, but there are living plants that are attacking him. And so you have these options in the combat system, which I'll we'll talk about more in, in, in a bit, but... I tried it in two different ways. One was the their A ending, the one that's supposed to be like the real deal shit. And I thought that it accomplished its goal reasonably well in telling a short story. But then there are like three other endings. And I am dying to know what those <laughs> are because the second one that I tried was trying to get him out. And as far as I could tell, I, I didn't see how with the action economy in the game that was possible and because i i don't there has to be some way to do it it does make me want to like go back and it makes me really curious as to like what the game does with each of those stories on each of those different endings so i did find it to be pretty compelling in that regard yeah yeah i i didn't really experiment i only did like two runs Mm. um and i think i prefer it to stay more mysterious (laughs) like I, i um but i am also curious how it works um I, I am kind of, like, assume... I don't know. I feel like, based on some of the endings I got, I feel like endings B and C are oftentimes just kind of like, oh, it ended prematurely. Uh-huh. Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'd be curious if, like, there are any that have, like, three really cool different endings. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would be cool to kind of uh, 
just dump a bunch of time into to, to seeing all the different paths. Because it does feel like it's one of those games kind of like West of Loathing or like Heaven's Vault or something that it just feels like it has so much content in it. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, you feel like you could play it like 10 times through and not repeat content almost. Yeah, I kind of... I, feel... I don't know if that's true, but it feels like that. <laughs> I do. I want to talk about this sort of like in a way, but I I, I want to go over what like the base mechanics of the game are first. Mm-hmm. But remind me if I don't come back to it to to get back to this specific thing about the amount of content in the game. I will try to remember. Uh, all right, me too. <laughs> With teamwork, we can maybe <laughs> do it. Uh, so what do you what do you do in this game? Uh. How would you describe the mechanics of it? So I guess it it's de- it, as we mentioned, it has the framing device of like being on a computer. So I guess this is technically a second person game. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but uh, so and it's kind of so it yeah like themed like an old um like RPG like a like an eighties like almost like text kind of heavy RPG. But it, it's it's obviously like a cosmic horror thing as well. So let's, you control a character, and you have to you have like a an apartment, and there's like a town that acts as like kind of a little hub area, and then you're able to like explore different places. You like launch little expeditions, and I guess assuming it rolls on a table mm-hmm. and pulls up like a random encounter and then certain things like progress the story and you just have to solve five mysteries to get to a lighthouse to beat the boss right at the end yeah that that's a pretty concise explanation i would say uh because the roguelike elements of this game are not uh like in a lot like roguelike is such a uh i don't know how you want to describe it a loose genre it's a uh, heavy blanket you throw over top of a different game and it suddenly gets a new genre. Yeah, it feels like a genre modifier yeah. sometimes, yeah. <laughs> because this doesn't play like many roguelikes out there, and the only thing that really makes it that is that there is permadeath. When you die, you go back to the beginning. Um, and so, yeah, what, what ends up happening is you go through each of these mysteries, which tell you exactly where you need to go. There's no, like mystery solving or pathfinding it's just ushering you through a bunch of little scenes yeah it's like almost kind of like a hex crawl in D&D if you're familiar uh it's like it's almost as if you move into like a space and it rolls some dice and then like reads a thing off of a table it's like you encounter a ghost or some whatever ghost. and then you have to fight it <laughs> or yeah some lady with a weird face. Yeah. Uh, you'll run into a lot of those, uh, as it turns out. Um, and, and it's interesting because, like, you do all this, and the other stuff that's in the game are entirely player-driven. Like, you can investigate other stuff to have more encounters to potentially get rewarded, but more than likely you will just be hurt by doing it. Mm-hmm. Um and then it also gets this little bit of, of resource management because you have, like, money and your health is kind of a resource in the game and you can use your reason to cast spells to do stuff. And then there's a timer. There's a yeah, countdown. The doom. The doom meter. meter uh, <laughs> which is, is basically, if you let it fill, you lose the game. Um, and I found this to be... I, I've beaten the game... Like, completed successful runs twice, once on the Skeptic difficulty and then once on the Cultist difficulty. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know that there's, like, two above that, but I played through the game, like, seven times on Cultist before Mm -hmm. getting a win. And I was like, I don't think that in the time I have left, I'm going to be able to jam out another one on the next hire. Uh, Because the game's actually, it's not real easy. Uh, I can tell you that much. Uh, It's not a complicated game, but you're fighting a lot of randomness, and so every run kind of comes down to uh, how well you manage to avoid randomly losing half your health. Yeah. I I can't really comment on the difficulty. I only played on whatever 
the second difficulty is that, after the beginner skeptic, one. I yeah, think. skeptic. Yeah. I only played on skeptic, and I didn't find it to be that hard. I I found it more that it felt like stressful. Mm-hmm. Which I don't mind. I actually kind of think that might even be better in the long run um, to make it feel like you're always in danger, but you're usually able to pull through like a like a player psychology kind of thing. Um, but I found like it was usually like some kind of way to like regain health or reason wasn't too far away if I really needed it. Sure. I may have just gotten really lucky. No, <laughs> no I think that is that's probably just the skeptic difficulty level because I I beat that one on my first attempt. Yeah, me too. And then the on cultist is the one where it took me a bunch of different tries. There's a lot of interesting stuff, and this is actually where I'll I'll come back to because we can talk about like the combat and that shit mm-hmm. after. Um, I'll come back to the content in the game because it has a system that I don't like in it. Uh, and that is, there's an achievement block of squares mm-hmm. that you, when you complete, you unlock oh, yeah. additional, uh, they call them cards, which uh, basically is just, if you've ever played like Binding of Isaac, the, it's things that are that can randomly occur, but they're locked until you complete a certain objective. Then after that, you're allowed to, whenever you go in, it can roll those into your world so that's additional encounters mysteries backgrounds uh and there's another thing that i forget what it is uh and so you have four characters who all have different starting stats and then they each can have a background and you start with the world of horror background which is basically no modifier and then the first one that you get is uh, one that makes it so that every time you take damage, you have a chance of, of su- like suffering an injury. And the recompense for that is uh, you get 20 experience points <laughs> at the beginning of the game. Uh, and then that's it. Uh, you just have to win. And I did, finally, after getting one of the luckiest rolls I think I'll ever get in the game. Uh I got the smoker character with mm-hmm. that, and in the first mystery, I I found a portal into the past where I found a katana, and I just pumped decks, and the katana carried me through all combat encounters, <laughs> and I was in no danger of dying ever, uh, and that's how I finally beat it, and then when you beat uh, a mode with that background, then you unlock another background, mm-hmm. and it's like... I feel like I was already in the at the point where I was repeating tons of events and it was getting stale well before I unlocked like one extra thing. Yeah. Like that stuff needs to come way faster to keep the intrigue going. And I think that's that's probably the biggest issue with this game from a like long-term playability standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh which I don't know. I kind of, kind of bums me out because it's a cool game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. And I know there's isn't there like a custom option. Yeah, and that allows you to turn on and off the things that you've unlocked. Yeah, so I feel like yeah, if the game wants to like have longevity, it probably would benefit from having like a modding scene or like supporting the game like long term to like add new stuff. And it sure does actually. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, you can go into the Steam Workshop and download stuff. But my usual philosophy with a game that we do for the podcast is that I'm not going to immediately start pulling user-generated stuff yeah. <laughs> into the experience. It's something that I may try in the future, and I wish that I had time to, uh, but I wanted to complete like more of the game before yeah, yeah, I got yeah. to it. Uh, but yeah, they do seem to, to want people to make content and to make their own modules for it, so... It's something that I would look into, but I don't know how much variance it's adding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess your mileage may vary on that. Who yeah. Knows? So on on my first playthrough um, of the skeptic difficulty, I like I I remember like the first mystery or the second one. Um, I I went to the town for the first time, and it was like my objective was like go investigate the places with the circle on it. So I didn't really explore the town that much and did not realize you could buy weapons and recruit party members. Yeah. 
Um, and I found that like it, that almost made the game easier Being when I had like stuff? when not buying anything oh. or recruiting anybody because I feel like the drain on the resources is what I found to be what made the game harder. And if you don't spend Doom or whatever it makes the game actually easier to just punch stuff to death by yourself. <laughs> uh, that's probably at least reasonably true. Yeah, so I'm sure that's not true on higher difficulties, but it, it did seem like interesting once I learned that, and it actually kind of seemed like it, it... It. I definitely had like a higher Doom percentage, whereas like on my first playthrough, I think I finished it at like 60%, and mm. was like never really worried about it filling up. Yeah, I uh, I mean, they give you the option when you go to climb the lighthouse to, like, take a rest, which adds yeah. Doom percentage in order to, to regain health and, and your stamina and reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I usually would end with, like, 80-ish mm. percent because I would I would just, like, go to my max health before I go in. Um, if you didn't do that, I could see going pretty low. Um, yeah, my I probably could have finished with Katana Man uh, <laughs> after like fi- at like fifty or fifty five, but because I was emboldened by the katana, I was definitely running around doing shit that I normally wouldn't have. Um, but I do want to point out that that is the buying weapons and and other shit at the shop, which is run by a dog. It's not really very frightening. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just like a Shiba Inu dog. It does feel kind of 80s, though. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the one just a joke in the game. And you can also get the dog as a party member uh, if you have a certain encounter and pass a luck check. Um, but regardless, uh, there's a ton of mechanics in this game that are just plainly displayed on the screen that are difficult to notice because of the amount of, like, headache-inducing text all over the screen at all times. Yeah, that's... My first note is um, the confusing UI. Yeah. And, like, how intentional it is, is was my question. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Um, I'm not sure. Because it, it, part of it may, does make it kind of feel, like, more authentic to, like, the presentation they're going for Mm -hmm. and like stuff like would flash that you needed to click on so it was never like too hard to find especially once you like got into the game um but at first yeah it was like you're like looking at the reading all this text and you're like oh okay the button's over here (laughs) um so yeah I, i just wonder how much of that is them trying to go for the throwback thing or how much of it's just bad uh ui design uh i think it's probably definitely a mix of both yeah i think there are elements of it that are definitely um intentional throwbacks like the fact that the majority of the screen real estate is taken up by an image that doesn't that you can't interact with in any way you got the big menu on the side yeah so the big menu on the side is like where all the actions at and I mean, it feels kind of like in uh, like Baldur's Gate, right? Like there's a, there's a lot that you're doing. And you're always pausing. Yeah, like just in a little menu. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not really the play space that you're paying all the attention to. Um, but then there are other things like, like you said, the shops, recruiting people in the schoolyard, things like that. Um, there's a ton of stuff that I never ended up even using. Uh, because I would be like in the middle of something and then just forget to check it out. Like I never like went to the police station to exchange. I think it's like experience for funds or maybe it's something yeah, else. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember what you get. For that was it. the one place I did go mm. on my first playthrough for some reason. I don't remember why. Fun to pop by. Yeah. I only noticed it as an area on the map after an event where I ended up stealing a police officer's <laughs> gun. And I was like, well, I don't want to go there. I think maybe, with my stolen gun. I think maybe the mystery pointed me towards exploring it. And mm. then while I was there, it was also like, you can do this stuff. That would make sense. Yeah. That's how I found out about the hospital. Mm. Um, which becomes a very important place to go when every time that somebody breathes on you, you get exposed ribs. <laughs> uh, it's not great. Uh, but there's also, and I'm going to, this is a question to you that I feel like the answer is just going to be no. Uh-huh. Uh, when you go to an area, there's a little bar that's like a danger meter mm. that is in between two other menus. And it's like, 
that fucking big. And when you hover over it, it tells you like what the the danger level mm. is in the area and what that means. And I didn't find that until four hours into the game. I was on like my ninth run at that point. Yeah. And it was like, oh, did you know that it's dangerous here? <laughs> so you're going to take a, like a one point penalty to damage mm. at like a 10% accuracy drop. And I was like, sure didn't know that. I did not know that. Yeah, it's it, and like I saw things referring to the danger level. <laughs> yeah, but I had no idea where it was being represented. <laughs> I thought it was kind of an abstract thing. Yeah, but that's apparently not the case. Yeah, it's it's something that like it really highlights how much you take like design elements like this for granted most mm-hmm. of the time. Like things are just not laid out in an intuitive way. Like yeah, like the danger meter is just like hidden, <laughs> basically, yeah. and like. There's, like, the little, at the bottom of the big menu on the side, TM, uh, there's, like, a bunch of little tabs, and they're very tiny. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, <coughs> something, some event might take you to a different tab, and you don't even notice for a while, and you're like, how do I get back to the screen, or how do I access my spells? Like, where did... Er-? It's kind of hard to, like, keep track of stuff. Yeah, and it's not particularly well-labeled, either. Mm-hmm. And, like, stuff pops up over the main screen, like, different menus, and mm-hmm. you're, like, looking back and forth sometimes. That are actual pop-up menus that you have to close individually, mm-hmm. and stuff can keep happening in the back. Yep, and stuff... <laughs> Some stuff seems like you should be able to click on it, and you can't. Yep. Though, yeah, there was a... I remember being utterly stumped for an embarrassing amount of time, which for this particular instance means like 20 to 30 seconds, but uh, that it was like, click on a room in the mansion to explore it. And I was like... It's got this little floor plan. Yeah. I did that one too. That yeah. replaced the thing in the bottom right, but... The screen had doors on it, and I was, like, clicking on the doors like an old woman not knowing how to check her email on an iPad. Uh, yeah, I, int- uh, I intuited what to do there, but what did question it and did not click on the little menu right away. Uh, uh, and I was, I was also trying to click on the screen, um, the the main screen of the game. Yeah. Um, the actual yeah. game space. Yeah. I don't know what you call it. Um, the in-universe computer screen. Um, and yeah, but then I then I eventually just clicked on the things and I was like, oh, okay, this is what I thought it was. But yeah, I definitely questioned it. Because it doesn't look like a floor plan. It just looks like black squares with some white lines on them. Yeah. The one, there's a forest dungeon as well, and all of those are literally just icons with trees on them. Mm. I was like, is this fucking Minesweeper? I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a bad comparison, but it just kind of popped into my head. Um, so I played the tutorial. Uh, the scissors one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, run or whatever that they recommend that you do first um and it doesn't really feel like the best tutorial um it it does introduce you to like some of the mechanics like mainly combat mm-hmm. um but uh then you get onto the skeptic difficulty and it feels it just feels like everything you encounter is like different for a while um and like works differently and there was almost something, the comparison that just popped in my head was to something like WarioWare, which is a bad comparison, but um, I mean it in the sense that, like, every time, like, I got to, like, a new mystery or like, even just a new screen, it was like, I had to figure out what to do. Uh-huh. And once again, that almost kind of adds to the uh, old game mystery kind of feel, like, where when you were young and you played a game... Especially, like, some old, like, NES, Game Boy, uh, Super Nintendo kind of games where, like, game design wasn't really nailed down as much. Mm -hmm. They could feel really obtuse. And, like, you, because you were a kid, you would spend, like, hours and hours playing them. And then you would finally figure a thing out. And it would be like, oh, my God, this seems so mysterious and cool and rewarding. You know, like, it almost kind of tapped into that feeling for me. um, Where it was like every, every little thing was new and I don't know. If you relate to that at all, but like it, it gave me that kind of a feeling that kind of added to the overall tone for me. I mean, I do. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I relate to there is is going into what we now know is the game proper, 
and going, wow, this is entirely different than the thing that they told me was going to teach me how to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, in fact, like many dungeons within the main game that play like the tutorial. Yeah. So it's like if you went into a Zelda tutorial and they were like, do an ice block puzzle. That's basically Zelda. <laughs> anyway, welcome to fucking Lon Lon Ranch. Uh, and you go, wow, this is entirely different than what you were just showing me. Uh, and they're like, just you fucking wait. Mm-hmm. We got. Yeah. Mm. You do the whole tutorial thing and then you boot up the main one and it's like, oh, you have this apartment <laughs> and all this stuff you can do in it. Here's this town with all these shops. Uh-huh. You're like, oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I think like it does kind of translate a little more than maybe I implied. But, like, it is weird that, like, you think it's going to be more specifically, like, the tutorial, and Mm -hmm. then it adds all this other stuff in immediately. Yeah, it it went from, for me, anyway, it went from, like, being, me being shocked at the fact that it (laughs) felt very different to what I thought, I I don't know, I think I I was disappointed originally, because I was like, I feel like I am fucking groping in the dark right now, and have no fucking idea what's going on, but then... Once I got into it, I was like, I'm actually very glad that this was different. And I think they really just need to change the tutorial. I think Mm. the tutorial needs to be updated to include more things to show you rather than being a pretty good self-contained mystery. Mm -hmm. I think it would be better if it was a weak mystery that just had more instructive stuff because I ended up really liking what the main game gave me and was not prepared for it by the tutorial. They should just tell you to try it first and then do the tutorial to learn combat. Yeah. I almost feel like they should just reframe it and not really kind of refer to it as a tutorial. Cause like, I kind of like that the main skeptic difficulty was so different. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It, it's kind of like a... It's a tough question, I think. Because I relate to what you said, too. But I, I almost kind of wouldn't want an in-depth tutorial. I'd rather it be, like, more... I don't know, like, sprung on me. I a don't little know. more mysterious. A little, yeah. A little more rascally. Yeah. Wabbit. Anyway. <laughs> I just feel like that fits the tone better. It does. To kind of just drop you in. And the whole theming of it as an old computer game. Yeah, and like it almost like the contrast too. Like you, it, it's just like it's the tutorial presents you one thing, and then the main game is like different. Also, the tutorial like contains like a weird anime tutorial imp mm. thing, which I found <laughs> strange, kind of very funny. Like. <laughs> In a way that I think it was probably an intentional joke that just landed. Because you're in this game that's supposed to be uh, a horror game that presents you with these unspeakable horrors. And it opens with, like, a fairy with big anime eyes. Mm -hmm. And is like, here's the tutorial. This is the button you press if you want to find a branch to hit a guy with. And I go, oh, thank you. Uh, And then you go into the main game and your tutorial anime lady is nowhere to be found. It was, it was the scariest thing that ever happened. To yeah. Me. Um, do we briefly want to talk about the actual combat system? It's not a very in-depth system, <laughs> but I do really like it. I don't know that I'll have a ton to say about it, so you can lead off. Okay. I definitely don't have a ton to say either. It's just, uh, I think worth mentioning. Uh, this is definitely a combat system that exists in other games that I just don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have like a timer bar that you fill up with different actions. I was really sort of disappointed when, after like I spent like six hours with this game ish. And during that time, I felt like I had exhausted all of the different things you could do. And I was sad that one inspecting the enemy rarely gave you information that was actually all that helpful Mm -hmm. and that sort of the best thing to do is just find a weapon that deals any amount of damage and just hit them a lot uh 
I would do, like, the setup, the attack, then into a heavy attack, then into a light attack, depending on what weapon I was doing. Mm -hmm. And just doing that kind of got me through a lot of it. It extremely got me through in Katana Man's playthrough. Mm -hmm. Um, But it has a lot of really interesting options that I think probably on higher difficulties would be more interesting to explore. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I like the idea of it a lot. I just wish that it was... Some of it was more implemented, more useful. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I like that there was, like, you had to do a different thing against, like, ghosts because mm-hmm. you can't attack them. That was, I thought, cool. And I don't know. Yeah, like I like that you could ready an attack and that would guarantee it would hit. It, yeah, like, it bas- it's basic stuff. Like, it, I think it was serviceable with like yeah like what like what you said like some interesting ideas that don't really feel like they get to shine right that yeah i i at least i also felt like i rarely ever used them yeah there's a there's a system in the game that i just this is uh if you listen to this before you played the game this is your uh this is the thing that we're leaving a mystery for you the combat rituals I was never able to complete ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, You press the bow or clap button five times, and then after the combat round ends, it goes, uh, you got three of them right. And you're like, "Uh uh-oh, what three? So I guess there's... there's, I've, I've devised a strategy that will allow you to figure it out in at most five attempts. And it's pretty easy to do if you think about it. But I'm not going to tell you. Figure it out yourself. Or don't use the combat rituals. They don't fucking matter. Uh, Maybe later difficulties, you're like, oh, I got to find out what my combat ritual is this game. Otherwise, I'm totally fucked when I get to Omega level (laughs) uh, Jeeves, uh, who's going to kick my ass. But I don't know. I never found it to be like a... uh, a necessary thing. Now there was a quest where I had to do a ritual like that, but like I never even attempted to use it in combat. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's actually a separate thing. They use the clap bow system as a ritual thing in the game multiple times. Yeah. So. Uh. Anyway, yeah, that's the combat system. <laughs> I like the little timer based system that does scale off of your stats. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Um. I just, I don't know. I wish it was a little bit more, uh, I wish that some of the options did more than they do currently. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like, I feel like the fact that, like, you won't always have a weapon, like, muddies things. Like, it feels like they couldn't lean on the combat system as much, so it's not as fleshed out. Yeah. Is what it feels like to me, but that's speculation. Um, so... I feel like, I don't know if it's just that it's like a modern indie title but and if it's the computer framing device, but this game really feels like it is the kind of game that would have like some kind of like inscription style meta layer to it. I would you, agree. You agree, <laughs> you agree with this? I do agree with this. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I think that it, it would almost be going too far. To mm-hmm. have it because the game already has so many meta layers stacked up, being a computer simulation and also a throwback game to an older time with the cosmic horror thing. I would love to see it, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it all depends on implementation, but like, it just it seems like the kind of thing where like you you'd be playing it for like you know hours you know and then you would like something would happen and like you would end up being able to like minimize the game and have access to the computer desktop and like some kind of like crazy shit would happen like that style of thing yeah uh it's just something i thought about it's not necessarily something like i really wanted out of the game but i just just (laughs) thought about it um because i guess i don't know because we just played the description, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah. Indie games have set this expectation. <laughs> <laughs> Get on it, Kosminski. <laughs> but uh, and uh, another thing I just wanted to say is I feel like if you're the type of person that likes to play games with other people, uh, this would be a really great ga- like option. Um, I it's uh it's like a 
very like segmented like multiple people can participate and like make decisions there isn't a lot of like fast reaction based stuff happening so you can like leave the screen sitting and like talk about whatever while you're playing like, it, it feels like it would be like a really fun game to play with a friend or whatever um yeah, yeah the- it's like the kind of game that like if we weren't doing this podcast i think would be like a slam dunk like to play together I would agree. And yeah, as as far as I remember, just to follow up on one point there, I don't think there's like any dexterity based things in the game. No. Like I don't think you have to like be able to click or move fast. So um, it is a good game for that scenario or a game to play if you're like real drunk or <laughs> if you have like a motor disability, I guess, <laughs> such as being very drunk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I agree with that. I think it would be very, uh, it would be an interesting game, and we could try this with our friends mm-hmm. to just bring up and be like, "Hey, look at this! Oh, what is this?" And then you you show them that in the way that we do with like home, right? Yeah, and it's also it's it can be completed very quickly. Yeah, usually unsuccessfully. Yeah, which is the best part. <laughs> Yeah, I have one last thing, but I feel like it's just going to prompt final thoughts. So I guess I can ask it. Oh, perfect. Um, but do you feel like this game is like missing something? Like well, I can't quite put my finger on it, but like I, I feel like the game left me like wanting for like something a little bit more out of it that I don't really know what it is. Um, so. Yeah, I, I pose you that question. <laughs> I, I think that to me, like I, I spent a decent amount of time with this, and you're right. This does pose some <laughs> some sort of final thoughtsy kind of questions. Yeah. I, I think the big thing that I've mentioned already is I wish that the content would unlock a little bit faster, and by a little bit faster, I mean like so so much faster, <laughs> like an insane amount faster. Because if Especially if you want to lean on community-created content by making your game really modular and being able to turn stuff on and off. Uh, Like, you're playing, like, fucking Munchkin or whatever, and you can, like, swap expansions out. Mm -hmm. I feel like you really want to get people to that point as quickly as possible. Treat the main game as a tutorial, and then have all of the extra downloadable stuff be sort of, like, where the, the magic amount of like i don't know what's going on here like craziness can happen uh because there's a lot of stuff in here that's really cool um that just like doesn't it just you just get through it all and then you go when's the (laughs) next thing it's like well probably like two or three more hours depending on your die rolls so i i don't know i kind of agree i think that in the end i wanted this game to be something more than it is but it might fucking be, and I just mm-hmm. didn't spend enough time with it to actually get it out of it. Um, but I got bored first, and that kind of sucks uh, yeah. as a thing. Um, but yeah, that's I would I think I see where you're coming from, uh, and do not know the solution beyond that. Yeah, yeah. As I, I can't quite put my finger on it. Like it feels like it has so much content, but you do kind of run out of steam on it pretty quick. Um, you know, after just like, like, you know, a handful of hours, at least that was my experience. Um, so yeah, and it's hard to really say what it is about it because it is very cool and likable. (laughs) Uh, well, cause we're definitely already there. Do we have old God thoughts? Uh, my old God thoughts. Um, this game is really cool. Uh, the end. Now, um, I think this game is cool. What are we talking about next time? <laughs> yeah, I, I think its biggest uh, success is its also its selling point, uh, is its, its aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it captures that Jinji Ito art style really well, and I think the uh, the pixel art and then also the music, which totally slaps. Um, <laughs> really like add something extra to it and as i said in uh earlier on it it, it kind of brings back this like nostalgic like when games were a little bit more less homogenous you know more mysterious like when 
if you if you're around our age like when you were younger but and they were also like that if you were an adult back then too so <laughs> um but uh yeah so it kind of captures like a nostalgic thing for me and i i think it does add to like the horror of it um and i could kind of similarly to like when we played um like iron lung and um david uh was it shamansky's uh, yeah. uh different games like you can have a horror game that's like low fidelity and i think like you can't underestimate that like power of imagination and like the the old it's i feel like it's an old adage but one that's worth repeating it's like what you don't see and like what's implied that can be really like unnerving um and i think this game capitalizes on that um and yeah, like, I don't know how much it gains from that framing device, um, but it, I mean, it's kind of cool. Um, it's like a, it's like a fun little theme, like all the little different, like, old school RPG, like, you know, like little computer windows and things and your little stat sheets and all that. Um, so I guess it does add a little something, um, like a feeling of, like, playing a, an RPG. I like all the narrative content a lot, and I like that it's, like, randomized and um at least on paper uh according to you i guess it runs out kind of quick we start repeating stuff mm-hmm. which is unfortunate but um yeah i just i feel like maybe it's like the combat that lets it down or like there aren't as many meaningful ways to like interact with the narratives after a little while and i think maybe that's why it runs out of steam um but yeah i i just i really like this game on paper um and it's really worth playing um even if you only get a couple hours of entertainment out of it it's really unique and um yeah like i might have to check out the the user generated content to see how much it adds to the game and it de- probably definitely will show this to some friends yeah uh so i guess that's my my unknowable <laughs> old god thoughts uh yeah i i think most of that i would say mirrors my opinion on it i think this is a game that does not really hold on to its horror in a way that i would have liked for it to it has a good recipe for it because there's a lot of mystery to it and a lot of things that you don't necessarily expect to happen that can keep the player tense and on edge but repetition is going to drain that feeling out of things pretty quickly. And I was kind of sad to see that at the point that I stopped playing, which was about five or six hours, um, it it hit that point. Like, I, I was already, I was repeating uh, the mysteries that I was playing through. I was repeating the events that happened, which is more understandable because you hit a ton of them. But, uh getting the additional endings was compelling to an extent but never to the point where i was like all on board to start a new you know adventure just to go in and and find that it was always am i going to be able to beat the game to unlock the next chunk of content that i actually want to play and it, it just goes a little bit too slow for me um at least in the base game thing for two hours i think this game is fantastic Um, I think that if you get this game and it's within like a comfortable price point for you uh, to just spend two hours on it, just get your first completion. uh, This is 100% worth it. I think it's, it's really cool. Like you mentioned, the presentation is sick. Uh, The music is great. There's only three songs, but they, they get in that like spot where they're in your head and it, uh, it just kind of goes on and on and on. And it drives you to the brink of madness in like a positive way. Uh, and everything else surrounding it is such a good idea and such a cool thing that I would be hesitant to tell anybody that I don't recommend it. It's something I'm really happy to play, but I wouldn't tell everyone to run out and get it if you aren't the kind of person who wants to just sit down for a little bit and play a game. I would recommend Iron Long to you if you wanted to sit down for a few hours and play a game, and then maybe this. Uh, so... Yeah, I'm happy with it. I think it's great. Um, I just think that it runs out of of steam a little bit too fast uh, for what it's set up to be. Uh, And that is uh, 
1,000 out of 10, perfect game in the stars beyond. Thank you for listening to No Clip Pocket this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're talking about new Pokemon Snap. I totally remembered that that's what we're doing. <laughs> uh, we promised this game a month ago. Mm-hmm. And then it got, we were like, oops, October happened faster than we thought it would. Yeah. Uh, so now we're here. And our journey is coming to a conclusion. <laughs> Talking about all those photography games? All snap games. If you know of a snap game, let us know, because we'll cover it as well. If you make a snap game that's like a pen and paper RPG <laughs> somehow, we'll play it and talk about it. Yeah. So get out there, creative people. Yep. Until that time... <laughs> Uh, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. There you can find links to our Twitter account, our Discord. Uh, you can listen to all of our previous episodes. We just did an entire delicious month on horror games. Uh, even more games than usual because we had the fucking hubris to talk about <laughs> four games in one episode. Uh, and you can find all of those both on the website and on our YouTube channel in a convenient playlist form. And also, not at all a horror game, but this made me think a little bit of Sorcery. Oh, yeah. Steve Jackson's Sorcery, or whatever his name is. That's correct, yeah. yeah. And we also, I mentioned Munchkin earlier, and he also designed mm, that. Well, so. there you go. This has definitely got Steve Jackson's yeah. fucking got fingerprints that, on that it. tabletop energy. Yeah, uh... Yeah, that's a good one to call out, I think. Uh, f- uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> click through all the tabs and minimize all the windows and click on all the screens to find the subscribe button. <laughs> Use two reason to cast a spell that will increase your like button count by one. Go to take a bath, but then have all the water be horrible eldritch oil and have to take a bath with bottled water in the comment section. Study the ancient runes left by other commenters in the comment. Goodbye. Goodbye. It's imperative. It's impansative. It's in pair of pants. It's in it's in pair of pants. It's in. <laughs> All right. Hello. It's me.